Welcome back. Another edition of WeatherWise. It's Wednesday. I'm Chief Meteorologist Rich Wardzik here at the uh, studios, 47 ABC WMDT, with meteorologist Sloan Haynes. Sloan, uh, good morning. Good morning. It is almost at the end of August. Yes. That's sort of upsetting that summer's coming to an end. I was thinking about that the other day, but... I'm with you. I'm a little bummed. I like fall. Fall's pretty here on Delmarva. It's, it's, the fall is nice at the beginning. And I think yes. when we get toward like the middle and end part, and we get to those those um, windswept uh, days where it's yes. in the fifties and sixties. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just such a fan of the summer on the beach, and you know. Well, you know what? September here is like when you only find locals at the beaches, so it's okay. our time to enjoy the beaches. I finally. got you on that. Yeah, I can get behind that. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. And it's been, um, you know, I think for the people visiting. Uh, for the tourists, a lot of vacations were kind of tough out here in the past yeah. several weeks because the just unrelenting heat and humidity that we've had for yes. Del Mar Delmarva uh, that produced all those heat advisories. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we've moved out of that. We're just to your sip, uh, typical summertime heat and humidity yes. here going toward the end of August. And I think that we're probably going to stay in that mm -hmm. realm going forward. But um, a lot going on as far as the history of weather. We're getting to yes. the time of the year. We're really focused on the Atlantic for tropical development. And as we're recording this podcast, nothing really much other than a few disturbances over the past week that have kind of died out, but mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about the anniversary of a big one. Yes, I believe it's been 30 years since Hurricane Andrew. Um, it was a storm that really paved the way for infrastructure in Florida, how they respond to hurricanes, hurricane preparedness, and also just in terms of uh, hurricane forecasting as well, whether that would be through satellite and radar imagery or through actual intensity forecasts. So we've seen a lot of changes because of the storm. And I was just looking at a little bit about Andrew and it did not being a category five hurricane when it impacted the state of Florida, but just breaking it down a little bit more, it was only one of four tropical cyclones to make landfall in the U.S. as a Category 5. So a couple other ones that were at Category 5 strength was the 1935 Labor Day hurricane, 1969's Camille, and 2018's Michael, which I was actually in the Big Bend when Michael had made landfall then. And even to this day, four years later, you can still see the damage from this storm. So these storms do impact an area over a period of time. Now, according to a few websites talking about um, what was destroyed, a lot of it was houses that were destroyed. They said about 55, more than 55,000 homes were impacted. And a lot of those homes in the direct line of like Homestead, Florida, where the storm passed directly through, were ripped completely from their foundation, just leaving behind the concrete slab. So this storm had winds greater than 165 miles per hour. Um, the highest winds that were one minute sustained were 175 miles per hour. Now what makes this different than other storms is the size category five storms. It wasn't so large compared to when we think of major hurricanes like Katrina, it was a large storm. And typically that's when we see more from flooding and more damage from flooding and storm surge. But for Andrew, um, each state, each country, the Bahamas, the US, did state that a lot of their damage was strictly wind damage. Right, and you were talking about the damage, uh, wiping some of these homes mm -hmm. down to the slabs. It looked like just extensive high-end tornado damage, mm -hmm. just strewn across South Florida. And mentioning the fact that it was more about the wind damage than the flooding, 
I, I remember this hurricane, I guess I'm showing my age here, but I remember it actually happening. It was a big event for me growing up as a kid. I was in middle school when this uh, hurricane made landfall. And I remember watching live on the Weather Channel as it was making landfall. And the weather radar from the National Weather Service in Miami, I remember mm -hmm. when that radar took a hit and went offline. I still remember this day. They had the scan going across and then losing the radar echoes. And them remarking just how strong the wind must have been to remove this this you know piece of machinery that they have that's supposed to be able to stay move stay where it's at inactive during a hurricane mm -hmm. was completely taken out um, and you know the pictures from the aftermath showing the the buildings that were literally wiped off the ground and Sloan you mentioned about how that changed the way that building codes and mm -hmm. how structural engineers look at building um, houses not just in Florida but it changed kind of the thought process across the country I had direct um, uh, experience with that. Many years later when I was working as a meteorologist in the Dayton, Ohio area, I was doing a piece on how houses are built there to withstand the straight line wind damage that, that is typically seen from thunderstorms in Ohio. And part of what the building code in many of the communities there state was that these houses had to have what's called hurricane ties that mm -hmm. keep their roofs attached to the um, found or to the structure of the house. And basically what those hurricane ties and that, that language in the building code all of that is derived from the after effects of Hurricane Andrew, the legislation mm -hmm. or not the legislation, but the, the rules put into place for building in Florida that was seen as kind of a model on how to handle high wind events. That was adopted in places like in the Midwest where they see tornadoes and high wind events. So it's far reaching, as you said, yes. um, after that impact. And just to show about costs, because not only do we talk about, or meteorologists, there's meteorologists in every sector, but they also do risk analysis costs for structures like this. And after Andrew had happened, they were originally forecasting that there was about $34 billion in damages for the state of Florida. Um, in the end, it, the cost was $25.3 billion in damages. But that, at the time, that was the costliest hurricane to ever impact the state. So it didn't just impact you know, the infrastructure, it impacted the economy for the state of Florida as well, just showing that the impact from these storms aren't just at the surface level, they go much deeper. So the cost was a huge concern and 44 people did pass away due to Andrew. Uh, 15 of them were direct and 29 were indirectly caused by the storm. So in the days following this system moving through the state. Now they mentioned for the Bahamas that storm surge is one of the greater threats for them, especially with the islands of course, being at sea level. Florida, they saw higher tides when Andrew hit and they saw the storm surge. But again, it really was those winds. I'm looking at pictures now of mobile home communities. This whole entire mobile home community completely leveled just because of the winds that you were talking about. So this really did change the code of what it means to be up to like hurricane strength for these buildings, especially in what's now Miami-Dade County. Right. And and just looking more about the history or how they described mm. this hurricane coming in, they, there was a term used called a dry hurricane. That's what they called Andrew because the forward momentum of this storm, coupled with the fact that it was such a high category ranked storm with the sustained mm. winds, made it such a wind dominated storm that when you look at the, the storm surge, which wasn't as much of an issue, and even the peak rainfall totals were just under 14 inches, mm. um, which is a lot of rain. But for hurricane standards, tropical standards, it's really not a lot it really was all about the wind. And 
the, the sites that you were talking about, Sloan, with the mobile home parks that were completely mm -hmm. annihilated, uh, just residential neighborhoods completely destroyed. Um, this was really all about the wind as it came through. A fast-moving hurricane, as you mentioned, a compact one. Um, interesting about Andrew that I think um, a lot of people forget is this, this made really three landfalls when you think about it. Mm -hmm. You had the Bahamas, you had, of course, Florida, which saw the brunt of the damage. It was when the hurricane was really at its peak and had the most uh, area, I guess, to destroy, if you will, unfortunately, coming right across that very populated area there in southern Florida. But then it made its last landfall in Louisiana as mm -hmm. a low-end Category 3 storm, which on its own would have been considered a big deal, but it had already caused so much damage in Florida by the time it got to mm -hmm. Louisiana. It's not that everybody let their guard down, but it was it was a weaker storm by that point. And I think from a media yeah. standpoint, that kind of gets lost in the fray a little bit. And also off of that, um, it wasn't just landfall that caused damage too, is that oil rigs in the Gulf yep. were also impacted by this. Um, they reported millions of dollars in damages to personal, public, commercial boats. So a lot was impacted by Andrew. Now this next uh, statement I'm going to make sort of ties us into what we also want to talk about this podcast was our current hurricane season. So it's been 30 years since Andrew. Andrew was back in 1992, its lifespan of August 16th to August 29th. So again, this happened in August. Andrew happened in August. The first named storm of the season happened in August. Again, we've had a past couple of years of very active hurricane seasons where we saw storms being named one right after the other keep breaking the earliest e-named storm i believe elsa was the earliest e-named storm now on record but again that was back i think in july right andrew was <laughs> august just again to put in perspective you know september 9th and 10th that's the peak of hurricane season andrew happens so close to the peak of hurricane season which just drives home that point that it only takes one storm to cause significant damage catastrophic damage and it was Andrew, the first named storm of the season. So tying this into what we're seeing now that, yes, it's slow out there. And the National Hurricane Center, NOAA, still forecasting an above average season for us here, which means that they're seeing these warming trends, you know, conducive conditions for development is what they're seeing out there in the Atlantic, in the Gulf. But Andrew's season was a relatively quiet season, but Andrew had happened. So it only takes one storm to cause damage like this. So a lot of people have been messaging, emailing, commenting on social media, like, you know, what's up with the hurricane season that we're not seeing? Well, the fact that we're not receiving these tropical systems now is causing another issue for us here on Delmarva. So a lack of tropical systems and a surplus of tropical systems is both bad for us because now with the lack of rainfall we've received this month and typically August, September, most of our rainfall does come from remnant tropical systems or a system just making it through associated with the cold front guiding it back off into sea is that we're in a drought for parts of or normally dry conditions on the drought monitor for parts of Delmarva. And that's again, a surplus of tropical systems, not good and a lack of tropical systems, not good. The farmers right now are definitely really feeling it. Right, and, and the type of rain that we're seeing, um, your typical pop-up showers and thunderstorms, they are known, you know, obviously not mm -hmm. to drop um, even amounts of rain across the area. And we get to this time of the year where if we were getting landfalling tropical systems, remnant systems bringing us rain, mm -hmm. that type of rain is like you would look on the radar, it would be a shield of rain. It's very broad. Um, it's very large scale, as in if it's going to be a rain day, most of the area will see rain. 
the type of rains we've been getting have been so scattered and so uneven. Uh, just even being on air the past couple of days when I looked at the precip totals, you would have maybe one part of Delmarva, two, three inches of rain. Mm -hmm. You could go 10 miles down the road and they picked Nothing. up a tenth of an inch or trace. Yes. And, and, then, and you know, for Delmarva Peninsula, it's just not that big of an area to be that small scale mm -mm. and be that, um, you know, the contrast to be that large between areas that see rain and don't see rain, that's uh, very difficult from an agricultural standpoint. We need that broad scale mm -hmm. wet weather event that you're yes. talking about from tropical systems. And we just don't have it at this point. And it doesn't have to be a landfalling hurricane no. near us. We, this could be a, a landfalling system that has decayed. Um, it's not even considered tropical anymore, but, but still it's just has the its moisture. Right. And we don't have that. And we haven't had that this month. Um, I was taking a look at climate data for Salisbury on Tuesday. And as of Tuesday, only a little over four tenths of an inch of rain has fallen for Salisbury, which is really crazy because yes, typically by this time in the month, we have over four inches of rain. Uh, for the month of August, we average over five inches of rain. I remember my first summer here, it's when we had, of course, a 2020 hurricane season. It was system after system after system, but also in the month of August for 2020, we had Isaias, and that brought us a considerable amount of rain. I believe that August was the wettest August on record, and that summer was the wettest summer on record for us here on Delmarva. So... I've seen now two ends of the spectrum for us here, one of the driest Augusts, and then, of course, one of the wettest being when we had that very active season. And again, it wasn't just systems that moved through that sold their tropical characteristics. It was a remnant low pressure system, remnant moisture even in the atmosphere that was just guided by a cold front causing that lifting to occur for us to have storms and some heavy rainfall. But now we are seeing drier conditions and for the drought monitor for as of last week, it does update on Thursday. So tomorrow, um, most of Southern Delmarva under these abnormally dry conditions, all of Accomack County is. We're even seeing abnormally dry conditions along the coast for Southern Delaware. So this is probably the most widespread. I've seen our drought monitor in a while. Typically, we generally see parts of Accomack, Somerset, Worcester counties under it, but now we're starting to see it for Northern Delmarva, for Sussex and Kent counties in Delaware. So we are feeling the impacts regardless of how many systems we have or not. And going forward to it's also important, I think, for people listening to remember, this is not just at this point, the lack of rain becomes more than just Delmarva, the mid-Atlantic and the southeast. Mm -hmm. Typically, when we get into September and October, those tend to be drier months mm -hmm. in general. We don't see as much rain because the cold fronts, although that there are more of them coming through, they don't produce as much heavy weather and yeah. when they do those thunderstorms actually tend to move faster because we're getting closer to the fall season our weather systems are moving yes. faster during the summer sometimes you can get these storms that pop up and rain themselves out with high tropical moisture and you get a lot more rain from those situations in the fall you just don't get or late summer into early fall you just don't see that so this perpetuates itself that if we don't have these systems making landfall somewhere in the gulf somewhere and becoming remnant mm -hmm. systems and tracking their way up toward us we could be looking at uh, you know, these dry conditions expanding over the course of the next several weeks. And speaking of, we're not just the only ones lacking the moisture right now. Texas, a state that we normally always see, whether it be just a disturbance, not even a name system, not even a depression in the Gulf, they receive the rainfall from it, the entire state under drought conditions. So they're also feeling it along the Gulf states, places that typically get um, these storms, these systems to impact them first before they impact us. So we're not the only ones feeling it. It's really 
the country as a whole having this lack of rainfall. And in those areas that you're mentioning too, Texas, uh, the Southwest in general, when they now in these drought conditions, when they do get the thunderstorms, which they've had lately mm -hmm. in a few spots, it's almost imminent flash flooding because the ground yeah. is so dry that that water piles up on the ground. Mm -hmm. the, the, the ground just doesn't take that moisture in right away. And that creates another issue. They're getting too much rain in a short mm -hmm. period of time with the dry ground. They have the flash flooding issues. And we've already started to see that in those, yes. those parched areas. Seeing a lot of water rescues down there right now with, um, I believe it was over the weekend, they had some heavy rainfall and that led to some flash flooding and people being rescued from their cars, I believe on the freeway for one Right, really city. scary. So we'll continue to track drought conditions and continue to track um, the hurricane season. There's been a few disturbances here and there over the past couple of weeks, but not amounting to anything within a couple days. They weaken and or we had one in the Gulf that had a high chance of development, it had a 60% chance last weekend. And the National Hurricane Center is saying that it would likely become a depression, but conditions were conducive, it immediately weakened, it moved on shore. So we're going to continue to monitor what's going to happen. Reminder that we're approaching the peak, so typically we'll start to see more waves coming off the coast of Africa, which is what we've been seeing this week, and we'll continue to see that as we head throughout the remainder of the season. All right, as you talked about, it could be very active in a very short period of time. We thought we were going to be mm -hmm. talking on this podcast about that system. It, it didn't pan out, but you know, a week from now, we could be talking mm -hmm. about a whole different scenario with uh, what we're tracking in the Atlantic. So we're keeping an eye on a lot with the, a lot that will be going on because we're mm -hmm. for sure expecting at least some changes in the pattern, um, even in these quiet, drier patterns. They don't stick around for long and hoping for some more rain here for Delmarva. But uh, at this point, we're looking at dry conditions to continue. Yeah. But if that tropical scenario changes, you know, that, that could, could be for good us. for us. Right, right. So we're going to keep a close eye on that. And of course, uh, if you ever have any questions, you can find us on Facebook. Twitter, or email us at weather at WMDT.com. But I think that'll wrap us up for yeah. this week's edition of WeatherWise. Thanks for joining us, the meteorologist here at 47 ABC WMDT. We'll see you next Wednesday.